Hello, hello, hello. This is Who the Fuck Knows with Emily Rose. I'm Emily Rose, here today, kind of on a whim, to discuss a magnificent event that happened. Rachel Levis, formerly known as Raquel Levis, dropped her first episode of her podcast, Rachel Goes Rogue, and I could not think of a better person to have on to talk about this podcast than the one and only Lindsay of Vanderpod Recaps. Welcome back, Lindsay. Hello, hello. Thank you. I was, I knew I was going to have you on the show very soon because, of, of course, Vanderpump Rules is coming back at the end of the month. And when, <laughs> as soon as it dropped, because I was up at five, when it dropped, I was like, oh, I have to message Lindsay. But then I said, wait a minute, <laughs> maybe give her time to wake up and live her life for a second. But I'm just so glad that you came on and that you were able to do it today because uh, it dropped today. So it's very right. fresh on our minds. And I actually listened to it uh, twice. I listened to it right before we got on. So I could I could uh, have all my fresh memories. Uh, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Um, it's been a crazy day. I knew that today would be wild with this podcast dropping. Um, but I was so when I saw that you messaged me because when I was I told you this when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, me and Emily would have things to say. So when I saw your message, I was like, yes. She knows. Yes, <laughs> immediately. And uh, for those of you who don't know, if you haven't listened to my other episodes with Lindsay, Lindsay is a Vanderpump Rules and now kind of Bravo in general, I think, podcast recapper. She does write-ups of the podcasts and it is extremely helpful, particularly for those episodes that you just can't, you just can't put yourself through. I know a lot of people said that this was one that they would not be listening to, so that they were very grateful to you, though I think that those people are full of shit, in my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, so let's just get right into it. I, I want to know, because they released the teaser for the one minute, or was it, maybe it was a couple more minutes. It was a few minutes, yeah. It was a few minutes uh, when I when I had Rob Schulte on. Mm-hmm. So it was right before Christmas, maybe the week before Christmas. What were your thoughts going into this episode? And and did it, was it what you expected? Was it less than, more than? What do you think? So I personally think it was better than I expected. There, listening to the trailer, I felt like I wasn't sure what direction she was going in. And with this episode, there's a lot of things that I liked. There are some things that I have questions and didn't really care for. But overall, I thought I didn't hate listening to it. I'm not going to lie. When she first started it with, I am Rachel Savannah Levis, at first I was like, oh, no. Where are we? I don't know. Just just something about that sentence. I was like, and even my friend, he was texting me about it, too. And he was like, but then later on, he was like, wait, do I kind of like this? Yeah. And I... Like I said, I thought it was better than I thought it would be. I do know. But that said, I do think the whoever was with her the in the podcast, um, I'm sure we'll talk more about them. <laughs> they, the producers, I guess. Yes. I would call them, yeah. Yeah, but I, I felt like beforehand, there was definitely either a script or something laid out as far as talking points. You can definitely tell. However, I do think there were kind of points when there was like true reactions coming from everyone. And so I think there were like those moments that you could see, but I do think there were moments of kind of like leading questions, but not as bad as Bethany's interview. 
And my biggest thing with this, another just main takeaway, is this should have been the first time we heard from Rachel. I yes. that Bethany interview. I still think looking back, I think she Rachel is still very like in a heated place in that Bethany interview. And I don't get that vibe. But because of that Bethany interview, and I don't, I get it. People are going to compare, right? And there are some differences in it. So I do get that. Yeah. Well, she actually starts off. One of the first things that she says is that she's in a room of women that have really supported her. Um, And the conversation that she has, so she does a little bit of a monologue. (laughs) I am Raquel Savannah Levis. And then she talks about how it's kind of scary doing a podcast. And honestly, I was like, girl, I can't listen to you talk about whether or not you're going to. We're here. We're here. We're in the podcast. Like, I can't. But it was interesting, the role that these, for I guess, pro- I'm going to call them producers because I can't think of another word for them. I call them I heart ladies. I heart ladies. <laughs> they really, and my friend and I were texting about this. I was not a fan at first, but once we got to those, the real reactions, I kind of realized I've actually loved them the whole time. <laughs> and then <laughs> on my second listen, I realized how um, imperative they were to moving the story along and I, it kind of felt like rather than rather than them interviewing her necessarily or whatever she was kind of having a conversation with them that we were in on and I thought that that was interesting I'm definitely interested to see if that's going to continue like if these ladies stick with her I'll definitely be interested to see how that how that goes what do you kind of feel the same way or do you want her to fly on her own I think so from all of them, like they definitely had moments where it felt like they were fangirling and had true like laughing, especially when Rachel's talking about like the first time her and Tom hooked up. At one point, one of them like gasped and I was like, oh, they're like really like do not know anything like what, you know what I mean, the story. And so there I go back and forth for like a comedic standpoint. I enjoyed them, but I but the thing is, is I can't picture Rachel just being by herself on a podcast. I don't know if she should have to have a really good outline and really would have to flow. And that's hard to do for anyone doing a solo podcast. I think that's extremely hard to do. I give people and you all the credit. And so I just, a part of me kind of wishes like if she did have a co-host and maybe we'll see more of this. It was only the first episode. Right. They would like, there's still some like hard hitting questions that I would like answered, but I don't know if they're going to ask that because they don't seem to be familiar with the show. But it's only the first episode. So I am curious if we are going to see more of them or how this will shift. I honestly was expecting maybe to hear Bethany when she said these iHeart women are with me. Then I heard the voices and I was like, oh, I don't know who these these women are, but they did have me laughing quite a bit. They did. And I'll be I'm going to be totally honest. Uh, I was involved in her telling of the story much the same way that they were. So I was unclear as to whether this was their first time hearing it or if they were just like because I, too, gasped like there was something <laughs> she said that I she got they gasped and I gasped. I'm like, oh, you know, this story, you know, but there was something really captivating and we'll get there but there was something really captivating about the way that she told her story that i didn't expect from her if i'm going to be totally honest um and so we start off and she 
I'm got lost in your notes, not mine, because <laughs> you wrote the recap. <clears throat> um, she starts off and she talks about she goes on a very long, I don't want to say tangent, but she goes on and on about her being nervous and she didn't want to come back to the entertainment industry. And something else that I didn't catch until my second listen, she said she isn't necessarily going to be responding to the show to Vanderpump Rules season 11 as it airs, but that she has like a plan and a therapist and she's for a plan for how she's going to have episodes the same week as the show airing. And I was thinking, well, wouldn't it just be wonderful if for some reason she did start to respond to the show? Because if she's truly out, she can she she even mentioned in the episode at some point that there were things that were signed she couldn't could and couldn't say and she still can can't say. But I'd I'm kind of like this would be the ultimate comeuppance if she could just sit on this podcast every week and get that recap audience and those recap downloads the way that everybody else did all last season. I don't know. I would be I'd be kind of impressed with her. I don't know if she has it in her. I don't know if she would do it. She said that there's a plan. But she didn't say she wasn't going to recap it necessarily. So I, I thought that was interesting. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, I did. Well, that whole section really stood out to me because I could see her intent of, what, not, of wanting not to respond to everything. However, I do think, particularly in the reality world, people, and I feel like I would be the same way because I really like struggle with people's like any, anything they would say about me. But they have this need to respond to everything. And I feel like they all, we've seen it, they all back and forth on podcasts. This one said this, this one said that. So I feel like her intent might be to not respond to everything. The part that I'm so fascinated with, and I talked about this on Reddit, is her the, the therapist that she's working with. Because a lot of people are giving this therapist that we don't know shit. And I said this on my on Reddit, that just a little background like on me, like I was a therapist before I had my son and now I'm working again. I'm getting like my licensing stuff. And the whole like point of like a therapist is like to meet the client where they're at. So I would like to hold that her or the therapist and Rachel have like processed and talked about like the pros and cons of like watching season 11. It sounds like they watched season 10 and then um, kind of reflected on that and being like, because a therapist might not think it's a good idea for Rachel to be watching all this because like Rachel said, it could be triggering. But ultimately, like, that's not the therapist's decision. Like, it's Rachel's decision on what she wants to do. So the the best thing for a therapist to do is to meet her where she's at, and I, it's so wild. Like also, Ra- Rachel's a public figure, right? So like that's a whole other level of trying to guide that. So I just think that this therapist sounds like okay, this is what Rachel's going to do. So I'm going to try to meet her and then check in. I'm sure they're checking in all the time. It sounds like they're going to watch an episode and check in. I actually think that of any way to watch the show, that is the best way for her. <laughs> Honestly, the therapist, because unless she's going to go truly rogue, unless she's really going to or go completely off the map and have literally nothing to do with the show, change your name again, I don't know, and like, you know, get a new identity for real, for real, like it's going to come up. She's going to hear things. She's going to read things. And the best way to get through, I think the whole cast probably needs a therapist to watch the show with. Oh, honestly, you'll actually be very proud of me. I have not engaged in the Reddit discourse around this episode of the podcast, so I feel really great. What what are they saying over there? What are they what are they talking about? 
It is more of a mix. So Sandoval's podcast was very much all negative for them. And honestly, I would say like 99.9%. This is a very interesting mix because it's so interesting how we all can listen to a podcast and get so different like interpretations. There's one hand where people are like, I enjoyed this. She's taking accountability. And then there's the other people who are like, there is zero accountability in this. Lies, lies, lies. And I, I find that so interesting because I was reading that, reading those comments, and I was like thinking about this like topic of accountability. And I was like, you know, and I said this to other people, like it is, I think it is hard because I think even Bethany's podcast, I was like, she isn't taking accountability. But I think it's hard. And I, th- I honestly think she, for the most part, did take accountability on this podcast. And it was this, it, it is this fine line of like our behaviors, like, come from things so she has to tell you what mindset she was in and why this happened and that is taking accountability also when she told the story of like when her and tom like hooked up she very much could have said because in my opinion i think he was laying it on pretty thick first and he but she also like reciprocated right so they both were involved but she could have said no he hit on me first and she didn't and tom on a podcast said that she oh i'm this vulnerable 40 year old man and i have a girl i have a girlfriend and she knows that that's not how she told the story so to me it's interesting when i saw people saying she took no accountability whatsoever and i was like i actually think she did a pretty decent job at that i thought it was a lot better than the bethany interview so that that's like the main takeaways on reddit that i'm seeing is still the accountability i would say yeah and i think People are, from what I remember from the Bethany thing and from what I can probably deduce going on on Reddit, I think that people keep mixing up like accountability and uh, remorse or like a a specific remorseful attitude that they both see from her. And it's just like in true crime podcasting, you can't, you know, you can't tell someone how to grieve. You can't always predict that because someone is grieving away that they're the murderer or because they are uh not engaging in the search one day that they are the one who knows where the missing person is whatever it is like you you kind of have to remember that everybody does things differently and i don't think that she was well we'll get there and we 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 can jump around too but Mm -hmm. i i will say that there were some of her tone this is why i wanted to see if there was a video and there there isn't which sucks because i'd love to see video her tone in telling the Tom story <laughs> was a little confusing and maybe a little uncomfortable because I not so much that like, well, yeah, it felt like she was kind of like glorifying it or like fantasizing about it a little bit. And I was like, girl, that was not cute, girl. That was not a good look, babe. But um, but she still also said like, yes, that was bad. It also kind of sounded like she was embarrassed and kind of cringing at herself. So I don't know. I don't know what the Reddit people want. We're about to get to the... I did I did engage in some Reddit discourse, but only on one specific topic. Only on one specific topic. Um, but we'll, we'll get there in just a second. Uh, so, yeah, she goes on about how... Well, she says that she almost didn't do it. She almost didn't do the podcast. And the producers are like, yeah, we didn't even know until like last night that we were going to do it. And then they, they're the producers, the iHeart ladies are very good about keeping it going. And I think, I think Rachel needs that. Now, 
whether she'll need it for the whole show, I don't know. But I think it was helpful to keep her on task because she was <laughs> she'll she'll ramble child. And <laughs> she they asked her, well, why did you what was the main reason for you not going on to season 11? Uh, she said that she first she says, well, she's doesn't want to be with Tom. And I was like, that's interesting to be the first thing out of your mouth. But like tight, like that makes sense. I just didn't expect her to say it like that. And then she kind of alluded to this thing and we kind of get into it with the Graham stuff where she felt like if she came on the cast, there was just going to be a narrative that was going to work against her, essentially. And they asked her if she considered going back. She said, yeah, she did consider it. But uh, well, and here, because I'm reading it, uh, it says there's all this. uh, I was going along with all this deception and going along with these lies that ate me up. And part of that is my fault. I chose to put myself in that situation. It was a really bad choice, and I'm suffering the consequences now. Listen, it doesn't, her tone, her, like, she that's taking accountability. It doesn't matter that she's not, like, you know, ripping her chest open and crying and, like, sobbing. Like, I don't think she's that sorry, necessarily, that it happened. I think that she, I think that she feels like, I don't know. I don't know how she feels. I very difficult, very difficult to put to words how she feels. <laughs> well, and here's the thing: the thing with Rachel, I've noticed a couple things about her. One, she's a very literal person, yes. which we will get into some of that. Um, and then she, um, I think, has a nervous laughter to her. Oh, yeah. You will notice, and I, I know some people are gonna are coming for her for that because like she's just laughing the whole time. I do truly think a lot of it comes from nerves, and. She she still is like a hard person to read, but with this, when she's talking about like, I think where people are struggling with her decision on like coming to season eleven, it's like on the Bethany interview, she ta- she mainly made it seem like it was about money, yeah. and now and then then the trailer, it was I didn't want Ariana to have to kind of like feel the way that I felt when I had to like film with james and things like this and now it is i didn't want to put myself in a position to be with tom i am the kind of person i think it's a mixture of all of those things i think when rachel seemed to be in this angry stage it seemed to be like they're not giving me the money that i think i deserve but if i i don't know maybe i like to see the best of people but i honestly think this seemed like the true authentic authentic answer. And I think it was very kind of like, I don't know. I think it's kind of brave for a person to say, like, I knew I wasn't strong enough to be in this position and I was just going to go right back to my Tom ways. And I fully think if she would have came back to season 11 right away, her and Tom, they probably would be still, I don't know, figuring, well, Tom would be like, we're still figuring it out or something. You know, she would still be sucked into this, whatever. So I thought this part like did take accountability. And like she said, she was like the worst version of herself. And she seemed like she was going through it. And it doesn't excuse her uh, her like actions or anything. And Ariana never has to like care about her or like do whatever. But the girl herself has to move on. And so she has to like forgive herself. You can't just hold on to all that. And at least if she's not remorseful, at least she's not pretending. Sandoval is pretending yeah. to be remorse. Well, I give for. <laughs> I give people more credit, and I always say this about Sandoval. If he would just be like, you know what, fuck that bitch. I was so mad at Ari. I mean, he because he like wants to say that, yes, he and he wants to be more nasty, but he tones it down. Yeah. 
Now, Rachel isn't saying that by any means, but like people are like, where's the remorse? Where's the remorse? And while we may want people to be remorseful, some, <laughs> some people may not be, but also her remorse may come out in different ways. Maybe her remorse is more of like, oh, like cringy, I felt embarrassed or things like that. Maybe her remorse looks different. I don't know. She is one, she is hard to read, but I, I feel like her feelings and thoughts are more genuine than Sandoval's when it comes to this. A hundred percent. And I will always prefer a full, uh, going the full Monica, if you will, and just yes. being a complete and under villain, being like, oh no, fuck all of you bitches. Every, not only just this one, every single one and the one in prison too, okay? Like, okay. that is what I am all for. Now, Raquel's not going to do, Rachel's not going to do that, okay? No. But... I, I appreciate and I appreciate her for where she's at, much like a therapist is supposed to. Um, right. I, I consider myself her therapist, obviously. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The dream. <laughs> the dream. Um, and so she goes she goes into she kind of reflects on her making some unhealthy relationship choices, personal decisions, drinking. Uh, at one point, she does say it. And I'm not sure if we're, we're quite there yet. She does imply that. Uh, and I didn't like this, that her cast members were encouraging her to drink. It's not that I don't believe her. I, I absolutely believe that her cast members were encouraging her to drink. But I also feel like you have some autonomy over that. Right. And I think that she should have, because there is something to get into there about the pressure to drink. But I don't think that that's like on any of the individual cast members. I think that that's more of an environmental pressure. And I wish that she would have dove into that. Uh, but maybe she was exhausted from that with Bethany. Who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree. Um, so then she, they ask her if she's still connected to Tom Sandoval in some way. And she says that she put him on a pedestal and he really validated her. And uh, she realized that she has a pattern of this, of putting these guys that she kind of has an infatuation with or respects or looks up to on a pedestal. Then she says, then my friendships suffer. Because uh, I'm not spending as much time with my friends. And this is another thing with her that I, I'm like, and maybe was just something that I kept thinking the whole time was she is real socially stunted. Like, yes, these are lessons that I was learning about relationships with guys and stuff when I was in my early 20s. Okay. Uh, and I had probably learned most of these by like 23 or 24 and by the time I'm 31, and I think she's 30 now or about to be, I'm not I'm not having to process like sometimes when you're in a relationship, it takes away time from your friends. Or when you're like in new infatuation, obsessed with a guy, like your energy is all consumed. So I think that she is learning these lessons so much later. But it feels very genuine. And part of this was my theory all along was that some of these girls on the cast grew up a lot faster than she did and had a lot of uh, reality, if you will, hit them uh, sooner. And that's part of why they had a hard time connecting with her, because she really was processing everything a lot less quickly. Oh, under yes, that is such a good point. The she her socialization skills remind me very much of like high school level very early like 20s I, yeah i i do think that's why 
she bumped heads a lot with the other girls. And again, because Rachel is a very like brutal person. Like yeah. that is just like one thing. And I'll just bring it like just a side. Like when she's talking about when she's describing to the producer about like Jax being the number one guy in the group, Rachel tells that story as a very literal story. That yes. like Jax was the number one guy in the group. And that was just like a joke. Like Jack yeah. that was one of Jax's like rage moments. No one actually thought Jax was the number one guy in the group. And also so, being the number one guy in a group is a fucking ridiculous concept. And it's not, so, and it's not a thing. thing. Yeah. But the way that Rachel tells the story, it is very literal. Yes. And Jinx was it. But then Sandoval. Then it was like Schwartz and James. I'm sorry. I didn't get that memo that that was my thing. Yeah. But she's so, so she's so literal about things. And then when she said like, you know, I had to i wasn't prioritizing my friendships not as very much like i feel like we all like go through that as far as like um especially like when we're like younger like if it especially if it's like your like first quote-unquote love and you're like infatuated and all of that and i think rachel was going through that now and other people are like way um that's already happened to them and so yeah it is interesting like i do think we kind of have to take we can take these things into account when like thinking about Rachel. I think it kind of helps clear up a little bit of the fuzziness to some things. Absolutely. Um, this is a good ending point, uh, naturally. So I'm going to end this and I'm going to send you another one. Okay, sounds good. So then the... So yeah, so she's kind of... Like you said, she has a lot of high school tendencies. She even references a high school friend later. And I thought... And she refers to that person... In the present tense, like, this is a friend that I have in high school is how she says it. And I don't know why that stuck out to me, but I was like, I just thought that was interesting. It doesn't mean anything. I, I know, but it, it just kind of, I just found it interesting because I had been thinking so much like, wow, she's she's kind of at like senior year of high school level as far as this, this socialization. And to your point about her being literal. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but there was two points that I was like, <laughs> just playing, but I was like, her Amelia Bedelia ass. Like, she really, like, she truly takes things exactly as how you present them, which is why I thought that she was a weird, why I truly believed that, like, when Tom told her that he and Ariana are in this relationship for the show, and this is a show, and you are a character, and then when we're off the show, you are yourself and we have a different life outside of the show that she interpreted that quite literally. I stand by that. I think that she has a separation between the show and her real life. Quote unquote. Oh yeah. And when Tom told her like, I'm going to be a producer for season 11, even when she retold that story, it wasn't mm -hmm. like, I know he wasn't like that had to be a lie. She's like, no, he said this. Yeah. And it's just like it, the, like, I, I can't like, like, Oh, enough like the, the literalness that she has on people's words that I think get her in trouble yeah so she she's talking so the producers ask her does it make you feel bad about yourself as you um as you sort as you're sort of on high from these men in your life uh even at the same time and she says it makes her feel like she's grown since then uh, she was in the mental health facility for several months, and she was dedicated to her recovery. And then she kind of goes into something that I thought was very interesting. She says, you know, and then 
We get into filming and James brings in this girl that he met three weeks after me. And then after I met her, I she basically says after she saw that Allie would be filming and she met her, like that's when the drinking really picked up. And the producers ask her, so you felt like you spiraled after you met Allie and figured out that James was moving on so quickly. And I do think this was one of the moments that I was kind of side side eyeing the iHeart girls because I was like, that's not exactly what she said. But it does seem like that's what she was getting at. The spiraled word I thought was a little bit, a little too leading for my taste. Mm -hmm. Um, But she said, well, yeah, that was the first of it. And she said she found herself with the cast cast members encouraging her to drink. uh, And she she said she really needed a therapist in her life. And again, something else that I'm like, yeah, like by the time you're 30, I don't know, girl, like I would hope that you had already... I don't know. I just assume that when you're at that point, you've you've probably been told in your life before, like you need a therapist and you've either decided to go the way of therapy or not. Like she kind of she talks about it like it was like a revelation. I'm like, interesting. Very interesting. Um, And then she says that she needed a therapist to talk through. But instead, she had Tom and Sandoval was always there for her. Um, And then uh, (laughs) she is funny as hell. (laughs) They go. So she says, and he was always there for me. And the lady goes, but was he? And she goes, well, not really. <laughs> and I was like, girl, you are funny as hell. You are so she funny. Has, she has moments where like she makes her laugh. But yeah. the, the way that she says things, I'm like, well, that was funny, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's she's kind of she's kind of charming um, in a goofy sort of way. Um, and uh, someone asks her, what makes you think as you're like looking back on it? What was really going on? Like now, you know, you're out of the fog. What was really going on? And she says it felt like he was always there for me because we would FaceTime literally all hours of the day. Every single day he would come over to my apartment and we would hang out on the balcony and vent about our filming experience, which is another, you know, put a pin in that. And we bonded over that unique situation of being on a reality television show and the things that happen behind the scenes that aren't talked about and viewers don't really know about that he understood. Again, that component of the reality show i think plays a big part in her ability to compartmentalize or disillusion or disengage or whatever from the very real relationship that was going on with tom and ariana i think that the reality show piece blurred it for her in a way that it may not blur for the rest of the cast certainly or for anybody else oh yeah Yeah, that's a good point. And she, and I get it. Like, I felt like the other cast members, they, like Mala in particular, she, I would say she seems to at least like understand the game of reality TV. Totally. So, like, that's why sometimes I get frustrated with her because mm-hmm. I'm like, I sometimes I'm like, okay, but like, who is like the real Mala at all this? And, with Rachel, I feel like she always was like trying to just like be yeah, her, like authentic self. And that kind of like she didn't again kind of pick up and she even said in this podcast, like she's not cut out for reality TV. Yep. I think because she she I don't think understood why people were doing the things that they're doing or saying. And then it's almost like I could see this group doing this, right? When the camera's off, it's probably like a click. And they're all fine or talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're all talking and fine. And that probably was like very weird for Rachel to see. And I'm sure, like, again, like 
and then her talking to like Tom and them connecting on that level. I almost wonder like Sandoval being who he was was like, oh, this is my moment to try to explain things to Rachel. Oh, yeah. So I think that's another way that they like bonded because she was she was like, oh, wow, like he's telling me like now I understand or he really cares. I'm actually trying to help me in this reality world. And the girls aren't doing that. Yes. I think that Tom Sandoval fancied himself like a reality star maker. And I think that he took on in his mind like this role of like molding like the perfect reality star, the perfect like underdog storyline. And she was taking that as like a confidence booster. And she's now equating this thing that he's doing to like mold her. She's equating that with finding her own confidence because she says so often like I found my voice and this was my year to be selfish and she keeps repeating this stuff that's like well yeah and like definitely you should be like everyone has the right to be selfish but this shit the way that she talks about it seems like something that had to be very literally taught to her rather than something that she was internalizing and working out I don't know like it sounds like something that someone told her, in my opinion, and I'm not putting all the onus on Tom because I know that she's a grown woman, but I also do feel like there's something there where she was kind of not realizing that they're, they are on a show, but they aren't on a scripted show for real, for real, you know? <laughs> yep, 100%. Uh, and so then they ask her if she, if she thinks that Tom Sandoval's actions were genuine. And she goes on to say that she did think it was and that, um, of course, he would. Uh, He would vent to her about his relationship. And uh, she said, I think I was too patient with it, which is also just the way that she says things is so funny. It's very it's very honest, like not not I should have realized that he was playing me like a fiddle because he's telling me one thing and I'm seeing another. She's like, I think I was just too patient with him. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I guess you were. This is a part where people like kind of called out like this remorse element because she said, like, I really should have put my foot down and be like, okay, you need to decide what you want because you tell me one thing and your actions are speaking a different story. I, because people like she could have took this time to like say like, you know, um, I realized like I, she shouldn't have been in this situation at all. This was hurting Ariana. However, I think, again, I think this is just a real honest moment where she was like, and she even said, like, if I could go back, I'd change like a million different things, right? right. But in this instant, this, I mean, th- this, these things do happen where, I mean, people cheat and they get caught up. And so I could see her like in that moment being like, oh man, like I should have done this. I should have told him you need to figure this out. Yeah. And and I think, again, that's like an honest answer. And we see this a lot of time with cheese situations with whoever is in the relationship. It's always this usually very much like, I'm going to leave, I'm going to get out. And a lot of the times it's the other person just, as Rachel said, being patient yeah. or is like waiting or thinking they will. That is a very common narrative that we hear. And so yeah. just being like, oh, I should have told him like you need to like your word i thought when she said your words are saying something and your actions are doing like another if she would have said that in the moment 
I think that would have been like, who knows? Like, Sandoval, you know, would have said something in that moment. I think she, I think she was just eating every word yes. that he that he was saying. So again, as far as like people wanting her to be like remorseful in that part, again, I think she's just literally telling like her thought process and that like, oh man, if I could go back to that moment, maybe I could have handled it that way. And that might be the way that people want her to handle it, but that's just the way that she's describing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And, oh, well, she, I'll, I'll get to that when we talk about Graham, which we're going to get to. Uh, and then they ask her if she ever just considered telling Ariana uh, about everything that was going on. And she said again, yeah, <laughs> she thought about it. Uh, she didn't really know what to say. And then she was like, the way that she explains the conversation with Ariana, she was like, well, I was just trying to see. And it's like, no, Raquel, we know. We know that's what you were doing. It was. Yeah. We were. We were aghast. We know that's what you were doing, honey. She was like, well, I was just trying to see, like, because it seemed like they weren't having sex. And I just wanted to know where she was. And I was kind of surprised. And I'm like. I know. But also, I do think, and this is very unpopular, this is not something I could take to Reddit. They would kill me. They would kill me. <laughs> but I do think that in the in the same vein of, you know, there, I don't think that it was all Tom telling her things. I think that Sheena would say things. I think that Katie and Lala would say things. I think that other cast members, co-workers, Tom Schwartz, I think that lots of people were saying things about the state of Ariana and Sandoval's relationship because I think that that was kind of, from everything I've gathered, a known thing that they were in a tough spot and that they didn't always get along. And frankly, I think that Ariana and Tom probably argued or conducted themselves in ways in front of Raquel because certainly Ariana did not think that it would matter. You know, a lot of the girls, even though Ariana was certainly her biggest champion, maybe next to Sheena, while the girls took her, her meekness for not being observant. And a lot of times it's totally opposite. The person who doesn't speak up a lot or maybe isn't the most vocal or quick to anger, whatever, is usually probably has a pretty good vibe of what's going on. So I have a feeling there was a couple of times where the real reality between Sandoval and Ariana came out and Raquel, who takes things literally, sees an argument like that and thinks, oh, well, they hate each other and they're not fucking. Now, it's on her to do the research. It's on her to be honest. It's on her to, you know, but that's just not what she was doing. That's not what she was trying to do in that moment. She was trying to be with Tom. And so that's what she did, goddamn, you know? Well, and this literally was a situation like we've all seen verbatim before where Tom and Ariana, I mean, I think Ariana said they were not like in the best spot in their relationship. Yeah. I think Ariana, the way she handles things, I think she kind of thought like they were in a rough spot. They usually get better, you know, keep working on it. Yeah. What does Sandoval do? Sandoval has literally said glorified roommate. She, he said that verbatim to Kristen before. Yes. So for him saying that to Rachel, does not surprise me because he uses he has the same mo for everything it's like it is truly wild yeah so her you know her him saying that to her so sandoval the route that he goes is he cheats he finds someone that he feels like he could build up even with ariana i think he saw her and was like i could build her up she can be in the show and i can build her up yep. rachel 
she's in her like this like like she said this non-people pleasing error and Jesus, she and i know god <laughs> and thomas he's even said like oh i was i was so attracted to her because she just seemed to be coming into her own and i think he's attracted to that because i think he thinks he can mold it and shape it in a way yes that he he like wants it and so again and and though we i've seen this film before and i didn't like the ending yes it's very much what we've seen with sandoval and in the situation and so she i think when he was telling her these things she did a check-in with ariana but honestly no matter what ariana said in that moment rachel was going to continue what she wanted to do Uh because she was in the thick of it yet though that conversation with Arno was interesting to me because no matter what she said, Rachel was still going to do what she's going to do. Even later on when she talks about that phone conversation she had with a friend when mm-hmm. she told them what was happening, she kind of was like, okay, noted. <laughs> but yep. she was yep. not in a place to get out of it. And again, like that, that's the honest truth. Like she was very much like, I'm going to check in, but okay, you're saying you're having sex and you're sexually attracted to him. He's not. I'm going to go with what he's saying right now because, like, this situation makes me feel good, even though it was toxic. And I think, sorry, I, I think that that conversation with Ariana, I, I want to know, I want to know, well, it was just, it was very out of place. And Ariana said, oh, well, I was just waiting for someone to ask me. And I was like, really? Why didn't you just say something then? Like, why didn't you? I don't know. That would have been a good time, in my opinion, for her to have like a sit down, you know, hash it out about the Toms with like Katie or something. So it just it was all very I mean, that's all very odd. I'm not blaming Ariana just to be very, very clear. Um, I'm just saying that I I thought it was so odd that maybe no, maybe everyone maybe no one thought to ask her that because everyone just assumed that they were, you know? And so no one thought to ask her something like that. And I think, you know, it made for some really wild ass television. So then, and I'm just going to kind of get through all of this kind of stuff. Cause I really want to get to Graham and I really want to get to the Tom story. Mm-hmm. Um, but they asked her if she felt like she was watching herself uh, or was it an out? Was she watching? Were, was she watching? what she knew to be herself or was it an out-of-body experience and she says yeah no it was basically like watching a, a, the worst version of herself uh, which was a very beautifully worded way to say that i thought um she talks about how she was she and this is she said this she said this time and time again uh she was a rule follower she was a good girl and this was like her bad era and i just have to say and i wrote it in my notes like the eras thing i'm like I understand that it's like a very palatable, easy way to like compartmentalize and put like decisions that we make into times in our lives. But yeah, I just can't listen to her say that it was our era. She has all these eras. I'm like, girl, you fucks Tom Sandoval. It's not an era we want to like glorify. Okay. No, like you're very high school. Very high school. And it is very like, I'm not, you know, I, I think, you know, I hate Taylor Swift. So, it's maybe that's why I'm so triggered but (laughs) like it is kind of Taylor Swift kind of caters to this like romanticized high school bullshit thing and that's kind of how Rachel lives or talks or that's you know and you know I love Rachel but some of this is a little too a little too fantasy for me Um, 
And guys, just so you know, I am still reading uh, Lindsay's recaps to get through this. So if you guys want to read along, you can on Instagram and Reddit, which we will put at the end of this episode. Uh, So then one of the ladies asks, was James your first unhealthy relationship? And I think that James is her first boyfriend, essentially. Uh, She said she met James when she was 21, which is (laughs) like, I just, if James was your boyfriend, for that many years at that time in your life you just you know she's got to have something to work on or to heal well, and think about as we we've talking about like her socialization so she was 21 then right. so imagine what so we saw this behavior with like sandoval when she was 28 so 21 social level rachel yep. was very much like a wide-eyed there's nothing there because she i think she was just consuming everything that was around her and then for James Kennedy to be your first relationship, I'm sorry, that's gonna fuck you up. A hundred times. As she even said previously, like the rule follower, the the people pleasing with James. And like I understand that. Like I've been like the relationships before where you're like, okay, I need to do this so the other person doesn't react. That's exhausting and that takes yes. a toll on you. And so for her to like you know, being in that relationship. And then this is a part where I kind of wish the producers or whoever, the iHeart ladies would ask more questions about her and James' relationship, but maybe they'll get there. And also, I know this is a very, very sensitive subject, so I'm not going to um, push. I don't know where Rachel is as far as like her reflection on her and James' relationship, because We've talked about this thing in the first episode I came on with yep. you, like the darkness with James Kennedy. Yeah. It's there. It's there. <laughs> it's palatable. Um, I and but they do this thing too that I found so annoying. Um they're like, well, also pageants though, right? And she's like, Yeah, pageants. I'm like, I need for the zeitgeist to stop uh giving a fuck about pageant. Like, I feel like we're also putting too much of her behavior. Not to say that some of it or even maybe a lot of it doesn't have to do with pageants, but like I know a lot of girls that were pageant girls and like they're fine. There's not like some sort of major social issue or character flaw or one of them is a really successful stand up comedian. I think for the most part, it just like kind of helps you with like composure and. Now, she does answer almost every single question she's asked back. Like, thank you for asking. She says, that's a good question. She restates it. She restates it. She comments on the question. She compliments the question, which I do think some of that's reality television because you have to you have to say everything, you know, as a statement. But uh, I think some of that also is is pageant. But and I don't know why I'm going on this tangent. It just does really bother me because I don't like. And I certainly was not in pageants, so I don't know where this is coming from. But I just feel like a lot of people are like, instead of just saying like, yeah, man, sometimes women cheat. Sometimes women don't give a fuck about the girlfriend, even if that's a friend and uh, they fuck the guy. Like, instead of saying that, I a lot of people will be like, well, in those pageants, they really fucked her up. I'm like, I, I just, I don't know, like maybe she had some sort of atypical experience or I don't think that pageants are great 
but I don't think she was she wasn't like a like a toddlers and tiaras. She was like a middle to upper teen pageant girl, I think, or well, preteen. Yeah. And that part makes me upset too because again the I the Rachel very much was talking about like the unhealthiness of her and James' relationship yes. and where she was at. And then they quickly turn it to pageants. I'm like, well, wait, that was very leading because Rachel, I don't think, would have brought up pageants in that moment. So why are you wanting to hold? I don't know. Again, I'm like, were they trying to like steer this direction where they don't talk about James too much? Or was this just like they're trying to like, again, like, see, those are the parts when they do that shit. I'm like, see, you're taking that part to me. You're taking away the whole the accountability aspect. You're trying to add excuses. Yeah, uh, like I don't think Rachel would have brought up that part, but like you said, it is very interesting. Rachel will literally answer anything that you ask her. So yeah. they asked her that, so then she's like, <clears throat> "Excuse me, oh yeah, pageants." Like, yeah, let me talk about this, which yeah. I don't think that was on her radar. So that's why part of me, I would be so interested. Truly, honestly, Rachel going rogue would, for me, would be her actually being solo on this podcast mm-hmm. because she very much. She can be leading with her questions in so many ways where I'm like, mm, is that actually what you think? Right. Or are you just like answering in a way that you've been trained to do? And I think that is a very pageant way that yes. she's grew that she grew up in. Yeah. But yeah, that part actually did make me like mag. So it's just like, okay, I feel like we get somewhere and then they ask a question where I'm just like, I didn't want it to go in that direction. Yet. No, this is bullshit and I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. All right. <laughs> Uh, then she talks about her comfort zone and how having and also I will say that if she's not the most eloquent, you know, speaker, or whatever, this sh- having a podcast is going to help her in some way. So I, I don't think that the podcast is all bad. Uh, I just wanted to because they kind of talk about this and she talks about how she's proud of herself for having a podcast, um, much like if you have a stutter, like you got to work through that. And, yeah, you know, then eventually, like if you can be a public speaker or a singer or something like that, it, it helps. Um, they ask her if she's been insecure her whole life. She's like, yes. And she details all the ways that she's felt insecure. I think that that is that was good to think about, too, when you think about Sandoval playing into it, because when she talks about how she was in this fantasy, again, it's kind of like high school imagery, like the really hot, popular, most liked number one guy in the group. Uh, all of a sudden, he likes you, but you're like you're the ugly duckling and that's how she perceived herself that's how she grew up you know thinking i don't i don't know i don't know what trickery happened with james i don't know like what kind of bullshit went down there but i very much feel like she was insecure and i i also want to be careful i just need to say this lindsay cuz I, I don't want to be played the fool you know like <laughs> there may very well be an aspect to her personality there there may be a little bit of monica in all of us okay like oh i wonder if this might be a little played up she may have overcome some of this like i was an awkward you know nerdy girl and all of that and she's kind of like leaning into it for storytelling or so like that's possible i don't think that she's like evil maniacal um but i i just think I think that for the most part, what we're getting on this podcast is who she is, you know? Oh, yeah. And I I don't live in a world, like, with reality TV people. Like, there, I have, like, thoughts and opinions. 
but there's also like i very much understand that these people could have it could all be for show or everything that rich could say on this podcast could like be not the truth right like i understand right. there are aspects of that out there with all the cast members even some that i like that i really like like i know there's always aspect i don't know these people i'm just watching and listening so like so i like I totally understand that aspect and i like I said earlier, I'd like to think when listening to this podcast with Rachel, I do think we got some like true authentic stuff when she wasn't being like leading like with questions yeah. and when, you know, we had those like real moments. So I think, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying with that. Yeah. Then they ask a question that I thought was very poignant because uh, it was kind of what I was thinking and they put it very well. They said, has anyone ever told you you're very guarded? Like, are you aware of this? Were you always like this? Were you like this on the show? And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I hear it all the time. <laughs> she was like, uh, unfortunately, I have to have all these walls up. Um, it's hard for me to let people in. And she said it sucks because she was starting to get to a point before the scandal where that wasn't going to be the case. Like, she was starting to let her walls down. But I think that there's something to be said, like, at the point that they asked that question, which, whatever she was saying, uh, which I see here, but the way that she was saying it, it was like she wasn't getting to the root or whatever. She wasn't fully answering the question. She wasn't fully, she wasn't fully vulnerable. And I think that this guarded thing isn't just because of Sandoval. I think that she's been, I think that this is how she's been for some time. And again, I guess we could say pageants have maybe something to do with that. Um or her experiences. I think that if James was truly her first boyfriend, um, I think that she probably had no choice but to have to keep some things to herself and um, interpret and reword and present and uh, all of those kind of things that you do when you're with someone who is uh, a garbage human <laughs> well and like you said before like the way that she answered like the the first that question leading up to her being asked about being guarded she literally said like when she was only like six or seven so imagine like that could be anywhere from like kindergarten like first grade and she felt like not good in her own skin that is a loaded thing for a kindergartner first grader to feel so like her just like just kind of blatantly saying that and nothing really else that is very guarded because I know with yeah. me like with like I I still have like I have my walls up with people but I am more like very open about stuff that I've been through so like for me if I would answer that question I would have like elaborate more on like why I felt that way but Rachel was just like I was six or seven and I did not feel good in my skin and I was when I heard that part I was like I relate to know more about that because right. I'm wondering I'm sh I can think maybe like she was adopted um there are other things, you know, and the way that she mom sometimes, like particularly when she was like, my mom nagged, I didn't want to be like my mom. When she said that, I was like, ooh, like there's just so much more of a dynamic there that I'm interested in. So I, it's interesting that they picked up on like her, her guard because I think we do very much like see that with her. And I think she had to have a lot of that with, you know, James Kennedy, like you were saying. Hey, you cut out. What was the last sentence that you said? I'm sorry. Oh, the I was just talking about like her like being guarded and how she had to be a scream that way. James Kennedy run him up. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh god, now it's frozen. Okay, there you are. Okay, oh, actually, oh, there. Okay, 
Yeah. Okay. Actually, we will end this one because bad vibes. It's just not working right now. So we're going to end this one and I'm going to send you a new link. (laughs) Okay. So after they talk about being guarded, they kind of pivot a little bit and uh, ask her what people are saying since she's starting to, quote, re-enter the world. They say that they had just taken her to Jingle Ball. And, you know, we have been seeing her kind of out on the town a little bit and, and going out to events and things like that. And she says that people that recognize her are usually happy to see her. And there was a nice lady in Chicago. And she, she had a weird choice of words. She was like, I really condone what you're doing. And I thought condone was an odd way to say that. <laughs> I did too. I was like, what do you mean condone? But she meant like getting her shit together and going and getting help, which is fine. Um, and then they ask, has anything ever happened that was negative? And this prompted her to tell this story about David Portnoy's broke ass, like broke, busted piece of shit ass. Who is gross. He is gross. Apparently there. Well, I apparently like I wasn't eating it all up in real time. So Rachel was in Chicago and so was David Portnoy. And there were rumors um, that they were dating. There was a rumor that was spread. Sounds like maybe spread or further perpetuated by a friend of hers from high school on TikTok. And David, when he was asked about this, he said that uh, I can confirm I've never met that trash bag in my life. And it's wild and insinu- it's wild, insulting to even be mentioned in the same sentence as her. I'm like, do you know who the hell they're talking about? It was just such a and I remember like. That was like one of the only times that in the Reddit where it was like a positive Rachel because everyone was like, bro, a little much. And so she says, um, you know, I've learned a lot about project. First of all, she laughs and she goes, yeah, I've learned a lot about projection and I think he doesn't know me at all. So whatever story he's made up in his mind, I don't really care. Um, And I know that there's a lot of misinformation about me and that's why he's so polarized, polarized, (laughs) polarized. And uh, she said uh, he's quick to judge her, which is his style because he's a shock jock. So this is something that he does. And uh, the ladies were like, yeah, you're right. That is what he does. And she's absolutely right. He just needs so much attention. And they ask her if she's able to handle negativity better now than she was uh, before she before last year. And she says, absolutely. She's developed thick skin. And they all, th- then they get into weird mode and they're like, well, what would you say to him? No, like right now, like if he, if he was sitting here like right now in the room, what would you say to him? And Rachel was like, I wouldn't be in a room with him. <laughs> like, yeah, I love like, that. I wouldn't I wouldn't put myself in a situation with him again, the literal the literal thing. Um, and then she goes, I'm hesitant to say this because I don't want to start drama. And then she tells us about this friend of hers from high school who started the rumor and then or or perpetuated it on tiktok and she was like you know you could have just texted me and asked me if i was dating the guy and uh, i thought that was interesting that that made such an impact on her because there were so many people like i'm pretty sure betches had it as like one of their headline stories so but it makes sense she knew the girl um they asked if she's feel yeah, that go ahead go ahead oh just that story just like took off like rapid fire and it literally started from like behind the blinds which we both love that podcast yeah but they someone like wrote into them that they just happened to be 
in the same small town, which is kind of odd, but they weren't in the same location. He was at a pizza place. She was at a coffee shop. And then it turned into they were spotted together. There was this. It was that. And I was just like the way it again, like talking about his nastiness just a few months ago, he talked about how Rachel, he was like murder her when they brought up the whole Graham situation. So like he used. Yeah, he literally said those words. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so like this is not someone that um, he, you know, the way that he taught again, the language that he used to describe her. When I heard this rumor, I was like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't, like, you, just because him and his girlfriend broke up doesn't mean that, like, Rachel, like, swooped in. Like, I don't think that's, like, this whole, like, character arc that she's just now going to live in. <laughs> she's after everybody's man. If, like, no one's safe. No one is safe with <laughs> Rachel on the loose. Oh, my that's God. Rachel, Rachel on the loose. That's really funny. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Okay. So they ask her if she feels betrayed by a lot of people. She says she does. They ask her if she feels that she deserves to be betrayed, and she says she does not feel like she deserves to be betrayed. Um. And she shouldn't. No one. You know. She's pretty aware that like she doesn't deserve to be treated any type of way. She also says she knows she's not a trash bag, as David Portnoy put it. So. I like that she uses that language about herself because she's, you know, she may have made a bad decision, a trash decision, but that's not or been in a trash situation that she did not take the necessary steps to get out of. But she's not a trash bag person. Well, no, uh, people people can be in that moment. And she even said, like, it's hard because she knows she betrayed people. But so she'd been kind of like she kind of hinted, like it kind of seemed like hinted as far as I like, guess this karma. But if you think about like, because I remember when, like, the whole, like, her and Sheena thing went down, they were, like, Rachel's friends were, like, listening to Rachel and, like, coming to the other group and telling her, telling them what she was saying. And so, like, that in itself, like, anyone who's going through a really tough moment, and even if you do a shitty thing, even Sandoval, when you're doing, like, you've done a really shitty thing, you do need some people in your life to, like, hold you up because otherwise you're going to just, like, lose it. Yeah. So that has to be hard to in that moment even though she did a really like fucked up thing and portrayed a lot of people to have a feeling that you can't say anything without it being out there yeah like that is a sense of portrayal and like like she said she's kind of had to figure out like who her friends are and like who who during that time didn't say anything because there were a couple people that like didn't you know what i mean say anything right so the next few questions that they ask her are all kind of in the same vein uh let me see where'd it go uh, they ask her if she plans on, I'm so sorry, I, keep, I don't know what happened to it. But basically, they ask her if she's going to watch season 11. And is there anybody from the cast that she still talks to? And she's like, there's a couple of people um, that I'm kind of cool with, but I don't really, you know, I, I said until they're out of that world of the show, I, you know, can't be close with them, which I think is very smart. And then they ask her if she's nervous about season 11 coming up and she kind of starts to ramble and then she says, you know, and then Graham and then they ask her, how do you feel about seeing your dog this season? And then we essentially get the Graham story. Now, I am going to speed run this story with the caveat that this is exactly what the fuck I said was going on from the beginning. And I don't know why it took y'all listening to her say it. 
don't know why, not you, obviously, not you, Lindsay, none of my listeners, because my listeners are great, but all of the other people that were just so quick to be like taking James Kennedy's word for something. It's so whacked out. It doesn't make any sense. So this is what she says. She and James got a dog together. They were raising him together. He was already kind of behaviorally challenged. He already had some issues when he also had an issue with being very possessive. So like if he had a ball, if he had a toy, if he had something and you, you know, got anywhere near it, much less try to take it from him, he would get extremely aggressive. And then that was not helped by James would what it's I'm now paraphrasing. James would go into these fits of absolute rage or come home drunk and do this ridiculous shit and he would scare the dog or he would play too rough with the dog or he would encourage the dog to do stupid shit and it fucks the dog up in the head, understandably. And then, you know, the truth of the matter is James is not a good dog owner and he would do things like he would kick him off the couch, just stuff that's not good for a dog owner, right? And I believe that she had tried to get a couple of different training or behavior Uh, treatment things going and it just wasn't working out and then it comes up to the time that they're kind of split up ish and they're working with the dog they're trying to figure out what's going to happen with the dog and then she goes into treatment and the dog goes with her parents she doesn't want the dog with james understandably so then the dog and we saw the picture about bites her mom's finger off and i'm not being i'm kind of exaggerating except not really we saw the picture that was a gnarly bite okay And mom is basically like, hey, you either come home and get this dog or dog's got to go. And Rachel's like, well, guess you guys got to find a new home for the dog. And so they do that. She says that the dog gets rehomed and is brought back to the shelter or whatever, not a kill shelter, the shelter that the dog was placed in to find for rehoming within what, like three days, she says, like three days because it bit the owner, the owner's kid or something like that. And so then they try to rehome him again. And uh, this is where I'm not super sure exactly what happens. uh, But they were trying to find a bunch of different foster families. So I had the really difficult decision to either leave the meadows and take care of my dog or extend my stay. So my family found a breed specific golden doodle rescue in Southern California. My dad drove him over there. And my mom had the trainer's phone number and they promised to keep the rescue adoption situation under wraps because I'm a public figure. My mom made it very clear. She didn't say who I was, but she said that she had been in the media a lot lately and she wanted to have it confidential. And then and then so that owner is the one that returned the dog in three days because of a bite. And then they needed more money for a new trainer because the trainer that was working with him stopped working with him. And so they scanned his microchip. They saw that it was connected to Lisa Vanderpump and Vanderpump Dogs. They called up Lisa Vanderpump vanderpump goes i'll adopt um, Kraka. and so she adopts him and doesn't tell raquel that she got graham back and um then uh the lady asks well how did you find out that he was with vanderpump and she said that she was a week out of the 90-day facility and she saw on social media someone had taken a cast a picture of the cast in lake tahoe and they saw that Graham was with James, and that's how she found out that James that Graham was with James. And this this part was a little hard to follow um, because I think this is where Rachel's trying to put it into like show terms, but also trying to explain like the logistics of what happened. Mm-hmm. Essentially, Lisa was planning on reuniting, I guess, Raquel with Graham 
on this Lake Tahoe trip because at the time, Raquel was still maybe going to go back to the show and her first episode would be Lake Tahoe. So from what Rachel gathered, this would have been like a reuniting episode. And she was like, not cool with it. And she said, I don't want him to go to James. So whether or not Graham is, this is what I'm not totally sure of, if if Graham is actually really living with James or if Graham is really living with Lisa Vanderpump, um, I'm unclear because it still kind of seems like the way that she ended up wording it was that Lisa Vanderpump, the person, adopted Graham officially. But either way, because this, I guess this is how it goes, I'm going to take her word for it. She surrendered all of her rights to Graham, so she didn't have any fucking say over who ends up with him anyway. And then she emphasizes that James is not someone who should have a dog. She said that she's trying to be chill and she didn't say protect, but she's trying to protect the situation. She doesn't want to say too much, but James can't have a dog. And I am inclined to believe her. And then Lisa tries to lure her with, she says, why don't you bring me some flowers to apologize? Harry, Lisa Vanderpump. And then that's basically it. Rachel says, I'm not going for that. Have a nice life. Yeah, that and I. So I have so many questions because it's like, did, okay, if this rescue, if money was an issue, why wouldn't. Because it sounds like they were maybe still having contact with Rachel's mom. So it's like, I wonder, like, why they wouldn't maybe reach out to them first. Because, like, they have money, from my understanding. I mean, like, they're pretty well off. So it's interesting that they they didn't reach out to them first. And then they scan Graham's chip. And they see that it's Lisa. So they call her. I would have loved to hear that conversation. Totally. Lisa said that she would adopt him and try to rehome. If she couldn't rehome him, then she would live off in her beautiful ranch. Because Rachel was like, what ranch? <laughs> and, and so, and then, and I wonder, because this is where I kind of got confused, because I took it, I wasn't sure if Rachel would have came back, would she have them barded? Like, was Lisa going to give her Graham back, or was she going to give Graham to James in front of her? Like, I wasn't sure, like, what yeah. direct, like, that, that confused me. So then... And then dog situations get people very um, hyped and very like, yeah, it's, um, it is, ooh, it is a situation that makes me nervous to talk about because while I love dogs, I also can have empathy for people in these situations. And t- I feel like Rachel did try to take the steps that she could and they even, they recommended for Graham to be put down and she said no. Yeah. And so, and then so you you want to come for Rachel, but like let's not let's note that she texts Lisa of her concerns, and Lisa still gave the dog to James. Yeah. So someone who is an animal lover, Lisa Vanderpump, you still gave the dog to J- to James. And from what we see in social media, does Hippie now seem to be doing well? From what we from what James posts, yeah, sure. Um, but also from what Rachel used to post about Graham, I never he thought, seemed like never the thought, sweetest. Yeah, yeah, I never thought any. I I never thought of about him being a biter or like the finger, the chunk of finger that was huh. on. And so, again, she tells you his, your her concerns, and you still give them to James. Like, 
that is weird. And it will be very interesting to see how, because like Rachel says, I already know the storyline. They're going to say that I gave him, I put him in a kill shelter and they called Lisa. And if that is the storyline that they go with, that will be very interesting because I don't, that like, that was not the case from my understanding. Like it was not a kill shelter. And if you're, if you, if you as a dog owner make the decision to put a dog in a kill shelter, why? Because it would would have been our parents that did it regardless, right? So it's not yeah, Michelle Levis. Why would they then be like, oh, let's call, let's just see if they ha- if this dog just happens to have another owner. Like that doesn't make sense. They would have just put the dog down. They would have put the dog <laughs> down. Isn't that what their purpose is? Or they would have, if someone came in the next day and was like, I want the dog, maybe they would have given the dog to them. But like, They wouldn't be searching for another owner. This is what I think. And um, I'm just going to be totally honest. If this was my mom, because I know my mother and everyone's situation is different. Okay, so this is not your parents and that's tight. This is my mom. If I left my animal with her and whether that's because I go abroad or I'm in the hospital or whatever, she... If my animal bit her the way that Graham bit Raquel's mom, my mom, she would be like, this dog's getting the fuck out of my house. Sometimes parents do things that you don't want them to do, you know? If my mom was bit like that, like, my cat, Sheena, Sheena Marie, she has a bit of a behavior problem, and she scratched my mom last week. Burst a blood vessel and my mom's hands swell up because she has arthritis. She's 80. So she was like, you can't bring your cat here for like a couple of weeks. And she knows that I don't move without the cat. So I can only imagine if Sheena had pulled that stunt. (laughs) If I was out of town, Sheena would be on the Vanderpump Ranch right now. Sheena would not be (laughs) like with my mom. And so I'm just saying like... If mom is like thinking, I don't know how long my daughter's going to be gone. I'm not taking this is not my dog. This is not my dog. Not my problem. Got to go. Yeah. Sorry, babe. Got to go. Your priority is your mental and emotional health. The dog's just got to go. And they wouldn't have given it to James. That was one thing that kept coming up. And I and I told y'all so. Of course, they're not going to give the dog to James. They fucking hate James. And James is an abusive piece of shit, allegedly. So, no, they're not going to give the dog to James. Okay. And I don't like, I don't, you know, it's all like believe women and like our Queen Ariana and Katie is the master and all of this mother bullshit. But then when you have a girl sitting here saying like, this man would get belligerently drunk and scare the shit out of my dog and treat him rough and have him bite and and just act abhorrently to the point where I don't want to say it. Oh, well, it's it's the girl that <laughs> slept with some guy. So that's, I can't stand that. She's true. No, I think all he's shit. He's trash. Hello. Well, and I even saw some comments that were like, why didn't like Rachel in that situation when Jane was doing that stuff? Like, I would have just like left right then and there. That is so easy to say. I don't like some people. I'm like, I, I wish I had your life because if you're not in a situation like that, like, first of all, like, that's awesome that you've never experienced like that. But if you don't, 
if you, if Rachel and James, like she would see that, obviously she was struggling like with how he was treating her. Right. Yeah. And so, and again, she said like, she felt like she was nagging him and she didn't want to do that. So then she would try to express herself. And I'm, I'm sure James, you know, really took kindly to her expressing herself. Um, and so, yeah, it's very easy to just say like, oh, if that was me and he did that to my dog, I would just up and leave. I think there was a lot. I think you have to think more like about the whole the whole picture and like that components of that relationship. It was toxic all around. So like you have James allegedly abusing a dog and allegedly abusing his girlfriend. Like they all were in like this nasty cycle. So again, like it's it's interesting how they come so hard for Rachel in this situation. And I feel like over a dog. Well, right. the dog and also she's pinpointing behaviors that James did to this dog. Right. But what but what do you turn it into? Why didn't you do anything? Well, right. I'm sorry. I'm focusing on the motherfucker that did that to the dog and then also did it to Rachel. So allegedly. So they're both in that situation. And your thought is, why didn't you do anything? Like what like there there was this was like this the cycle of alleged abuse that we're seeing. And it's just weird that that's somehow people's first thought, because that was not my first thought. My, like, hearing, like, the behaviors that James would do to Graham, I'm like, well, that makes sense if you already had a dog that was maybe naturally maybe a little aggressive at first or had some tendencies, and then James reinforces them because they got him when he was a puppy. So, like, that's, Mm -hmm. like, the very, like, important stage of a dog's life to, like, learn these, like, you know, behaviors. And for people to just, like, Again, the focus, the focus is all like, why didn't you do anything? She, she, she did. She did try in that situation. So I don't know like what more you wanted from her. Well, people just don't want to believe her. They They just don't. don't want to believe her. But my thing is, regardless, you saw her mom's finger. Her mom didn't make that up. So you're on a level of mom made up the finger picture, then there's no talking to you. That would be wild. That would be wild. But if you, understand that that dog gave her mom that injury then and again it's like well why would you they'll say oh well why was she provoking the dog like bro to get that injury out of a dog that is provoked like she would have had to literally put her finger in the dog's mouth and clamp it down herself like and then you know like that is not something from just like provoking a dog that is a severe injury it's so weird that you guys are defending a guy. It's so weird. Like, what Rachel did was extremely humane, in my opinion. What their parents did, they took it and they did what they have to do. Sometimes you're not equipped to handle the behaviors of a dog because they're not a fucking human. They can't emote the way they can't express. They can't tell you what's wrong. So you have to have a really specialized person who works intimately with animal behavior to correct it. She said they it was it they attempted to foster a few times and didn't work out. So this dog was putting people in danger. He has to go live on a ranch. And that's fine. Villa Rosa is perfect for that. I guess that's the ranch that she's referring to. I I, guess. I don't know. But like even the most rich people, that's like a time that's a time commitment. That's like a that's a lot to ask of someone who's in a mental hospital. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Well, and then guess what? We see articles, and it is different. What do we hear when um, 
we we read about a dog attack in the news. What comments do I say? Why didn't the parent? How could you let that happen? Right. Oh, I'm. Re- oh, oh, these. This says that this dog has been aggressive all this long. Why didn't you do anything? How can you let this happen? Exactly. But in the same sense, if that person then does try to do the right steps, yep, then it's still not right. So I can't live in this world where like, and coming from you know, I love dogs, but also. I don't, it's not a black or white situation. There are things that happen in people's lives and like every situation is different. So you can't, I don't know. I guess, I guess the part in a lot of people's mind, like the Rachel should have just came home, even though she wasn't ready and just taking care of the dog. And that was that. That's nuts. Like I, yeah. And that wasn't, that didn't align to like what was happening in her life. And I don't think that's, a bad thing when again like all the other steps that they tried because guess what a lot of people too when someone tells them like you need to put the dog down some people do do that so like people are yeah no people are either gonna just they're just gonna say that she's lying if they don't you know if they don't like the answer they're gonna believe james kennedy which i will never literally ever do and um that's on that so y'all the dog let it the fuck go it's not your dog it's not my dog the dog's fine. Hopefully, grandma's undergoing some. Maybe Al. I don't know what Allie does with her free time. Maybe she. Ha- I genuinely don't know what she does other than, than the cards. So maybe she has lots and lots of time to sit down and deal with the dog and get all the behavior. And hopefully, hopefully, he's okay. And hopefully, James is in a state where he's not terrorizing the dog or making the dog's anxiety so freaking high that he's continuing to act out. I hope not. I hope not. All right. Now, we got to pivot from the dog conversation before I fly off the handle. Um, (laughs) So then they kind of end the podcast with this conversation that we hinted out about that we hinted about at the beginning of the Tom Sandoval and Raquel love origin story. And they started off by playing this clip from Two Teas in a Pod where... Tom is asked if he still loves Rachel. And they say, can we play this clip? And Rachel's like, yeah, let's roll it. (laughs) And so they ask Tom if he misses Rachel. He says, yes, we were best friends. Um, I was fully in love with her. Um, He goes, this is not like some hot girl. Like, I was a model for like 15 years. Like, I'm just like a hot girl. Like, come on. I was like, dude, relax. And then, um, so basically he's just saying he was in love with her for real, but just for the record, she made the first move. And so they're like, what do you think about that? And she's like, wow, very humble. And then she was like, um, she zoned out because, um, hearing his voice triggers her, which is something that she recently learned that like, it literally makes her vomit. And I was like, holy shit, I have been there with a guy. I have had, I have had an experience with a guy where I got literally physically ill hearing his voice. And that is a terrible place to be. And I feel so bad for her. I hate that for her. Um, So they ask if it brought up any feelings for her. And she said that part of her wants to believe in the fantasy that she was wrapped up in uh, with him. And then part of her has to understand that that was not, that is not the truth. And that she wants to, she remembers like, wanting to be with the the tom that was without ariana and her kind of processing that that is not that was not ever going to be a real thing for her um 
And then they ask her if it's uh, vindicating that he's that he's publicly like declaring his love. And she's like, yeah, um, but he's still trying to make himself the the victim role. Um, and he really flipped on me and threw me under the bus and said that, you know, I made the first move and that's not the story. And they were like, uh, well, what's the story? And she's like, uh, well, I guess I could tell you. And they're like, oh, we have the time. <laughs> we have the time. And she tells this story. And when I tell you, I if I was a if I was a visual artist, like if I could paint or draw or something, I would be able to literally animate this. Like I have I know exactly how this I see every frame of it in my head, every frame of it. And I'm not going to tell the entire story again. If you guys want to hear that, you can go listen to Rachel Goes Rogue. There's a plug. Rachel, you're you're welcome. Um, But essentially, um, they were. Well, apparently they weren't best friends, according to her, but they were close and that she was starting to have a certain attraction to him. And then they were at his house or they were at the Abbey getting a drink. And he asked her after that girls night Vegas trip and then they they crashed boys night and then um, they went to the Abbey to get a drink and uh, they were kind of hanging out, just sitting in the car and talking. And then he says, well. Do you want to come to the house? Yeah, come in for the nightcap. They get to the house. They can't get in the house. Can't get in the house. Ariana's in the house asleep. This is when the producers gasp. And it was kind of like, because we know what's coming. And so just hearing it be like, you you guys are like probably wasted, like trying to get like into the house. And it's like, oh, no, because she's upstairs asleep. And so then you guys go around the back. And talk about getting in the hot tub. And she kind of skirts around it here. I think that what she... And it it kind of like she was embarrassed. I think that what happened was she was like, I'll get in the hot tub even if I don't have a bathing suit. And she kind of like just took off her clothes and got in the hot tub, which I think is fine. Um, I feel like you should feel comfortable. I mean, I know that there was like sexual tension. I feel like you should always feel comfortable enough to take off whatever around a guy. And there shouldn't be any kind of weirdness about it, but whatever. Um, And so... Because they were talking, there was a fire pit. They were talking about the fire pit. Then they get in the hot tub, and uh, she she also makes a point. Did you find this odd to talk about the towels? Well, she just like so specific, but like just like we didn't argue to all (laughs) all the details. But yeah, I was just like, okay, so the towel, like, but talk about like you said, like visualizing. I was like, okay, so the towels they probably have like a little side thing of their house where they put their towels okay yes. i can picture that yes. and it's just like and also like it it would be rachel to be in this like very heat and tension moment she's like do you have towels yeah it's just like he's like yeah girl like we got towels we have towels girl um and so uh and so then she takes off her clothes and she goes in the not all of her clothes i think she said she left a corset top on she takes off her jeans she gets in the hot tub and she describes this moment and i'm kind of getting like I've had moments like this in my life, like very like, you're not supposed to be doing this. And it just happens like in the way that she tells it just so well. <laughs> um, he she was playing music. He asked her to turn down the music and he came over and he looked at her a certain kind of way. And then he grabbed her kind of and he spun her around and kissed her. And uh, she was like, it was very fairy tale, very like romantic. And she didn't know how to feel. And then from from what she says, I imagine him having a 
a performative existential crisis. So 100%. he's like pretending like he's just so caught up in his feelings and how did I get myself here? And I'm just having all these feelings for Cal and I've had feelings for you forever. And I just don't know how to handle it. And Ariana's upstairs and I just, we're not getting along. And I mean, well, I imagine. He asked her to turn down the music. And what was my thinking? Because Ariana's upstairs. I don't want to hear her. I don't want right. her to hear this. Right. So this whole like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he had an agenda. And I'm not saying Rachel did not have an agenda as well. Because I think she was also kind of like, ooh, where is this going to... I think hers was more like, ooh, where is this maybe going to go? Yeah, I think she was playing and, into the flirtatiousness. And the, yes, and production. he had a plan. Yeah, He was like, this is all like... And then the whole like, turn down the music lifting her up and spinning yes. this guy is a showman like showman. my goodness yeah. like he doesn't need to be in lifetime movies so just watch him like do because this is like his what? true a- acting yeah yes this is his true acting so like yeah just <laughs> wild <laughs> and so then she's like it was kind of awkward because he was you know now he was having his thing he was going through his thing and she's like well i'm gonna go and he's like no please don't go we need to talk and she's like, well, I'm not going to sit here and talk. And so they go in the car. And from everything we can deduce, uh, they go in the car. And I'm sure, and I also described this moment in detail in my own mind, and I promise it happened this way. They get in the car. They start talking. It's like, I've been, I've been this girl. I, unfortunately, I've been this very girl. And you're in the car, and it's like, I just, I, I, I've had these feelings for you forever. And I don't know, like where it's gonna go but and then they kiss and now they're fucking now they're fucking she's on top of him i promise you that's what's happening i promise yeah and um but that's not exactly what she says <laughs> that's me that's me embellishing a little bit um the i heart lady says uh so what happened you went to the car and she was like yeah she was like did you hook up and she was like yeah it's really bad she rachel's like this is really it's not good and they're like wow um so what did you, I mean, you've kind of talked about it a little bit. Oh, but th- before I before I ask you, I do want to say, there. she's saying it was all very bad, but she said, I think he's just trying to plan his narrative. And it's very blurry, like, who made the first move? But does it matter who made the first move? Because, she, and she's right, it doesn't matter who made the first move. You both got into it. You both did it. It sounds like you were both participating. Like, this, like, first move bullshit from Sandoval is so corny. It's so stupid and annoying. He's just trying to, again, put the blame. Like, talk about not taking credibility, putting the blame on everyone else. Like, Rachel literally said, like, I told you the story. You can interpret it as you will. But also, like, who Matt, like, we both did it. Whoever made the first move. Again, to me, it sounds like he had a plan from the start and she was leaning into it. Yep. So that you know what i mean so this whole like oh she came onto a vulnerable four-year-old man in a relationship what was me cut the bullshit no one believes that and if you do believe it then like i wish i lived in your fantasy world because like what is that like truly so then they ask her um they she she just kind of gets into it and she's like it kind of all spiraled from there she felt swept off of her feet she thought it was romantic and now it's not because now she's in the situation and i believe this she didn't say this so i could totally be wrong and i could be making this up but i believe that for some reason raquel had probably like a week or so of thinking like 
oh yeah, by the end of this week, he's going to break up with Ariana because it's all me now. Like he's in love with mm-hmm. me. So he's going to leave Ariana because that's how it always, that's how it always goes. It's like this big, incredible adrenaline moment happened. This thing that like alters the chemistry of your brain literally. And there is no way in hell that he's going to go back to the apartment that he lives in with his girlfriend. And then two days later, like post a picture about their rekindling fucking clinking glasses in a park down the street from your fucking house when you were just here at my house two days ago. It happened. I have to say it happens every single time. Happens every time. Right. Without fail. Um, so and that was a personal anecdote. That's not what Rachel said. That was my personal <laughs> issues. So. Rachel keeps going on about how um, well, she talks about her friend and I know what friend she's talking about. And, and um, his name is not Julian. Um, and this shouldn't be doxing because I think he makes himself pretty known. Um, I think his pronouns are he, they on Instagram. But they, I'll say they too. He works at Schwartz and Sandy's tall, beautiful man, uh, long hair, very, very tall, always in a lot of pictures. I, I think that they'll be in season 11 okay. post at Schwartz and Sandy's. And but th- there were some shots of them as the host in some of the like fake opening, you know, fake opening parties that they had for the for the restaurant. Anyway, this person um, had conversations or it could be the other guy. The other guy, and I forget his name, too, um, that was friends with Jamie, um, but oh. one or the other. And um, I and yeah, I can't remember either of their names right now, but it was one of the two, I'm sure. And they were saying, like, you're not acting like yourself. And this is the only friend it sounds like that Rachel confided in um, after a while because she was acting so weird. And everyone told her everyone, at least this friend told her this is not good. Cut this shit shit out. Excuse me. And she was like, like you said, noted. And she continued to do what she fucking very well wanted to do, which is how these things go. Um, and then, uh, somewhat, or so then she kind of, that's the story, right? Like that's the origin story, according to her, of her and, and Sandoval. And then they ask her how she's feeling. Um, she said it feels good to tell the stories, uh, because she's been telling this to only very close people in her life. And now she wants to, um, she's ready to tell the world, but she's also kind of nervous because she, doesn't know exactly how it's going to be received. She she talks about like NDAs that are signed and certain things that you can and can't say. So she doesn't want to be misinterpreted um, because there might be pieces of things that she can't expound on. But um, at the end of the day, uh, she was she realizes that the Tom Sandoval thing was not a storyline. It was her real life. Um, and she says that it's good to get him off her chest. Part of the reason that she's drawn to doing a podcast and talking about these specific concepts of when you put someone on a pedestal and there's a power imbalance and issues with codependency molding yourself to shape someone else's perception of you and getting caught up in the very vulnerable pers- very vulnerable personal things that I've experienced is because she knows there's other people out there that struggle with that too. And she said she's not the first person to be involved in a relationship that wasn't handled correctly, so her story's not unique, but hers was on a much larger scale. And that was episode one of Rachel Goes Rogue. Um... Now, I kind of I went through that very quickly, uh, but uh, if you want to back up and if you have any notes or questions or anything you want to say about that Tom story, because it was a lot. The the one thing that I kind of want to end on and he, she talked about 
before the Tom story. And this is like one of like either if this really came from her or maybe she like I don't know someone told her this, but I was like, damn, that is good. When they asked her, like, well, how do you feel about Tom saying he missed you? And she said he misses all the benefits in our relationship without actually being in a relationship and also having a committed relationship. And I was just like, yes. Yeah. Like that describes this whole thing in a nutshell. So when you hear Tom saying like, well, is me. I missed her. I miss her. Blah, blah, blah. That is what he misses. So like yes. her actually verbalizing that wherever it came from I was like snaps for that yeah and so like that just like really it stood out to me in the whole of her telling the story a lot of people called out she seemed kind of like giddy and it almost again like I think when you're describing that story I think in that moment she probably did feel really giddy in this like fantasy world that was like seeing like it literally seemed like a rom-com like in the situation where you're with a guy and he like literally lifts you up and spins you and kisses you. So like, yeah. I think a, a part of it was like that giddiness. I think a lot of it too was this nervous laughter thing that she does when telling a story. That embarrassment, that like cringe feeling. Again, this is what I think the iHeart ladies popped off because they're like, oh my God, this was so juicy. Why was this not on camera? Yeah. Or like they had like <laughs> yeah. moments where they gasped. I was like, this would be like, and this is like what Bravo fans are like sometimes thinking. Like they're true. Yes. They were like, this is the part where I'm like, okay, this seems to be off script. These are like the real like reactions. Real reactions. And so, yeah. I, yeah. So I thought that part was interesting. So it's just, I don't know. The, like I said, I, I didn't hate this first episode. I thought it was very, very interesting. And a lot of people wanted to know about this when she kind of implied that potentially the shorts thing was a decoy or something. Like she was like, we'll get into that. And I was just like, okay, because I, I am curious about like, was this something that her and Sandoval talked about or like what I'm very curious about that so I'm 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 curious how this podcast will go as far as like the topics and will these iHeart ladies still be there Mm -hmm. um so I think I do think like I said at the beginning there seemed to be more positive reactions to this podcast than Sandoval's so Uh, I think I think Rachel has an audience for a few episodes that she really wants to like hone in on stuff. So I'll I'll be curious to see like what more she says. Now this is something I really wanted to ask you specifically. Who of the Vanderpump Rules podcast have in cast are whose reaction are you most interested in hearing to Rachel's podcast? I mean, Sandoval's is just going to be like, I don't, I, I'm not looking forward to that. So I don't no. really care. Um, Lala is just going to like pop off and be like, I don't even know what's like going. Like she'll just like go off on tangents without Lala's actually like say, knowing. Lala's never, Lala, whatever, it doesn't matter. What Lala says doesn't matter because whatever she says tomorrow or Wednesday, she will backtrack on the following week. So Lala to me is a non, non, non factor. Well, and like I, it's coming from me who I, I kind of flip up on like how I feel about Lala. She will say like even on her Amazon Live today, she will say that she doesn't care, but she will read about it and then she will eventually say something about it. Um, and then I guess out of all of them, I would be interested to hear Sheena's takes, which might be unpopular because people come so hard for Sheena when she talks about any of this. And I'm just like, 
I feel like she knows very honest in her last podcast where people are like, we're like, you're calling me out because you, you think that I don't have closure from that friendship. And you're right. I feel like I don't. And so I would be curious to kind of hear um, some of some of her takes specifically about because Sheena kind of feels I feel like she's feels like she's kind of in this limbo regarding Sandoval, right? So yeah. it will be just interesting to hear how she talks about it because I do feel like Sheena tries to like reflect and really think about like Sheena will actually do the work and probably either listen to parts of this podcast or like read it even if she says she did it I right. feel like she will. Um, so out of all of them if i had to pick i think i would pick i'm more interested and actually i think i could listen without wanting to like gag would be she <laughs> yeah i would say uh, you know sheena's if she says anything at all because she might feel like she or kristen's too that's all i was I gonna say kristen's, kristen's. <laughs> that's all think, other yeah i think kristen's is the one that i'm most interested in hearing just because because of how detailed Raquel was in that moment I'm very interested to see if if Kristen recalls any of those kinds of um, behaviors from him from when they were together like when they first got together because we don't hear a whole lot about when they first got together we hear more so about like what happened you know midway through and then obviously with Ariana so I'm wondering if this like grandiose fantasy maker bullshit is something that Kristen can identify with and and just kind of see how she feels about Raquel in general. Like that's I'm I'm interested in that. Um but oh, literally yeah, yeah. I hundred percent agree with everything else you said. <laughs> no, honestly thank you. Like Kristen didn't even pop in my mind to like the last second. So really Kristen would be like the number one and then Sheena just because of Kristen's history and then the whole James aspect as well. Because mm-hmm. I feel like Kristen oh, yeah. oh, is sometimes God. this close to really revealing things but then other things get in the way and so that yeah i would be very curious if kristen responds oh my god Lindsay, look we we listened today to a 50 minute podcast and then we spent nearly two if not a little more than two hours 12 hours 12 hours recapping it um i'm definitely interested to listen to the next episode looking forward to your recaps of all of the episodes and all of the responses and all the things Lindsay, tell the people where they can find you yeah, so you can follow my Instagram account at Vanderpod Recaps. And then if you're on Reddit and you ever see the name Additionine, again, didn't make up the man the the name. I'm not some white Republican man. Nope. Um <laughs> so that is that. And yeah. Awesome. And you guys know where to find me at who TF knows Emily Rose on Instagram, WTFK Emily Rose on Twitter, at Emily Agogo if you want to follow my personal Instagram and this podcast. Listen, share, subscribe, download. Please, all of the things so that uh, everybody can hear my fabulous takes on, you know, all kinds of stuff and towels and things like that. All right, guys. Well, thank you again, Lindsay, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.